where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. Let's go, Buffalo! By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. And welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast from Kansas City to Dallas. The Bills focus their attention, finding themselves three-point victors over the Chiefs in Kansas City 2017. A final score, we'll talk about that. But this week, the boys from the Lone Star State come up after an impressive win over Philadelphia, taking on the Bills this weekend at Highmark Stadium here in Orchard Park. All right, Alex, let's get into last week's thrilling win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Where was your headspace during this game? I I mean, it was very nerve-wracking, Brad. It was never... It was one of those games where you're always wondering where the next point's coming from. Um, in the first half, the Bills' offense looked fantastic. Honestly, they were they were moving the ball everywhere they wanted to move it, anytime they wanted to move it. Um, and it, it just looked like the offenses of old. You know, it looked like those offenses where you're like, this is a team that can beat anybody at any point. Josh throws an unfortunate interception for a guy he probably didn't even see in coverage. Um, And then, you know, in the second half, things really seemed to slow down in the offense. But again, it's kind of what we've been seeing all along with the Bills offense that you're just seeing people make little mental mistakes that cost the team huge. A drop here, a drop there. Diggs had three or four drops. Um, and it's certainly, I'm even thinking maybe he's a little dinged up or something's going on because um, he just doesn't look himself right now. Um, and then as we got down the stretch, uh, the defense, you could see the defense was really fired up. They, they seemed like they really wanted to play well and play for Sean McDermott. Um, and you could tell that in their play that they were really getting after it. It was great in this one to see the defense close out a game that, you know, that's something we needed in a Denver game. They couldn't do. I mean, that's something we needed a couple times this year. Uh, New England game, for example. Uh, it was great to see them come in and close that game out. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as well, Brad. You know, you think about those games throughout the year where you just needed the defense to step up at any point. Um, and you you didn't get that. This was a different performance than we've seen from this team. Um, and it was a cross-board. AJ Vanessa with an early interception. Um, Christian Benford knocking a, a fumble out to cause a, a yeah, turnover on a drive where Kansas City was driving in the Bills. Yep. Um, and that's kind of what it seemed like every week. Or every week we haven't seen them make a play that bailed out the team rather than support the team. Mm -hmm. And this feels like the first week that they bailed out the team. They bailed out the offense. Yes. Um, And the offense, while looking good, it just seemed like at times an issue that we've known for a while, which is for whatever reason, the Bills don't trust James Cook to get high number of reps. I'm not sure why, genuinely. Um, I feel like at this point he's proven 
that he should be able to get in there and really get the lion's share. And basically, the only time he should be coming off the field is when he feels he's gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also know this offense better than us, right? They they do understand these guys better than we do. Um, so maybe it's an issue of you know what they're trying to make sure he's not gassed when it comes to the fourth quarter. But as somebody who's been practicing, I really would love to see James Cook getting more touches. Yeah. I mean, he, he looked good, uh, that touchdown pass he caught from Josh. I mean, just getting him the football that, you know, just talking with folks around Buffalo this week, I think that's been a consensus among fans at least, is feed Cook the Rock more. Um, and, you know, we'd like to see that this week. But I think against the defensive line and middle linebackers of Dallas, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a week that they try lobbing it over the top a bit more uh, with the Cowboys secondary being a little more vulnerable. Yeah, I also, I, I think they're going to scheme up some things to put Dallas in some uncomfortable positions. Um, ironically, the Eagles, who the Bills lost to the week before, don't really do that. They don't make you in an uncomfortable position. They're going to run what they run and run, and then they run it. And because they have probably some of the best skill players in, in football, um, they're able to do those things. Yes. Well, when you go skill against skill, and you don't really change it up a lot, that makes it easy for better athleticism in the defense to win out. And, and that is something that Dallas has in spades across the board on their defenses. A lot of great defenders um, and athletic defenders as well. What what I think the Bills can do is scheme some things and force them into uncomfortable situations like you saw with the Chiefs, where the Chiefs defenders started second-guessing themselves. The James Cook touchdown down the seam looks a little bit like that where the linebacker had to it's a really complex play so he had to bump uh dalton kincaid he had to knock him off his route that's just what linebackers and defensive backs are taught get him off his route so as he does that it takes advantage of the natural inclination of linebackers to do that and james cook literally if you it's so amazing to watch. Cook literally just skins the cat perfectly right past that linebacker. And as the linebacker turns around, you see his head and you see he misses James or James Cook and just knows he's beat. So the last ditch ever is just try to get off and Allen perfectly threats the ball over the top of him. It was a beautifully designed concept. Really put the linebackers for Chiefs in horrible positions where essentially they either have to go against their programming some of the stuff they've been taught since they were peewees or they have to do something that basically like is you know is against their nature um and they chose to do the thing they're taught to do which is what why a lot of these nfl linebackers are in the position they're in they've been taught to do a specific thing they do that specific thing and they have success with that specific thing the bills took advantage of that and i think this was maybe one of the best offensive games in the first half we've seen from an offensive coordinator for the Bills. Well, I'm impressed, Alex, that we've gone over seven minutes into this podcast and we haven't even mentioned the play that didn't count. I mean, here's the, there's there's two, two true things about that play. One, was it an insane play that will live on in infamy as one of the most heads-up and athletic plays in the history of the NFL? Yeah, because it should. It genuinely should. It is that good. Um, 
Like, it just is that good a play. It was that good of a play. At the same time, Kadarius Tony needs to check with the official. Also, he needs to look over the football and be like, you know what? I look. I feel like I'm pretty close to the line. Let me hold Pat up, take a half step back. So the, the meltdown of Chiefs fans being like, like, I just, to me, that doesn't make sense of uh, basically being like, well, it's not fair because you shouldn't call that. It's against the rules, but don't call it there. And you're like, well, that doesn't, that's a counterintuitive point. Like, yes. now it just makes it sound like you think the rules shouldn't be enforced on you, which is kind of getting to the crux of their arguments is that they think that because these calls have always gone for them in the past, like the most recent one is the Super Bowl, um, that when the shoe's on the other foot, turnabout is not um, but honestly, I don't want to get hung up on that just because it was an excellent game and they scored with a minute 12 left on the clock. The Bills had three timeouts on the clock, uh, three timeouts left. It, and Josh Allen was looking dangerous. He'd been playing very well. Joe Brady had called a great game. So I, I honestly, I honestly think, Brad, that even if they had gotten, let's say they get that touchdown, that only puts them up. 24-20. Bills still can march down and score exactly. to close out the game. Yep, exactly. And, I mean, I'll tell you what. From my headspace, from when I watched that play, I was zen the entire time because I saw the flag at the very beginning. I was like, this probably doesn't count. Kelsey catches the ball. Probably won't count. Kelsey throws that lateral. Wicked spiral. Probably won't count. Tony goes in the end zone. I said, hmm, I don't think this counts. And the celebration didn't last very long, and it all came back. He was offsides. It was definitive. There's no disputing that. Any rules expert, anyone will see. And I like how the officials put it out. It's not our job to tell you where to line up. So, yeah, checking with the official, looking down the field, checking with a teammate. Yeah, that would have helped uh, Tony quite a bit. But he didn't do that, and the play didn't count. It, it doesn't count. I don't care how spectacular it was. It doesn't count. It wasn't in my in my headspace, it's not a real play. The penalty negated it, so I, I, I don't care how cool and awesome it looked. It never counted. And, and the frustrating thing is, too, Brad, is it, we, we've we dealt with this a little bit working with the level, the developmental football level I coach and play and you broadcast for. Yes. Um, we deal with this a little bit. A lot of times you get high school refs because they're the ones who are available and looking for work during the summer. And I've had a couple different situations where high school reps will act like the grown men on the football field are high schoolers and give them reminders. Like a few times wide receivers have lined up very offside and the official would say, hey, six, seven, or six, six, back up. And we had to remind them that's not their job. These are grown men who know the rules of football. Yes. It's their choice. One of the biggest ones I had was at a coin flip in the championship game, the opponent won the toss and elected to kick. Now, for those of you who don't understand, you have three options for your choice on a coin flip. You can choose to receive, you can choose to defer, meaning you you push your choice to the second half, or you can choose to kick. No one chooses kick. No one in the history of the world chooses nope. kick. Nope. Because you are then basically allowing your opponent to receive twice. They called kick. And I, and I pointed it out saying, okay, we'd like to receive that. Um, 
or we'd like to, we'll take the receive in the second half and choose direction. He goes, well, I think he meant defer. And I'm like, sir, that's not your job. These are grown adults. Same thing here. <laughs> These are grown adults at the highest level of football. Like you can't, you can't expect the official to intercede on your behalf in the rules simply because you did something wrong. Well said. Well, we want to remind you, follow our work here across social media on Twitter. Follow Alex at TW Callahan DHS. You can follow me at Bill's Bruiser. Follow us at DHS Buffalo and uh, find our work on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House and at DraftHouseSports.com. I mean, all right, start to finish, it was a, it was a slugfest. Let's talk about how it ended. You see Mahomes on the sideline. I mean, clearly emotional, clearly just melted down. And, you know, how he walks up to Josh Allen and just talks about that play, didn't say good games, you know, just went berserk. How could Josh Allen not do anything other than tap him on the chest and kind of shrug his shoulders and walk away? I mean, it was, right. I felt like the apology, too, PR move. It was a PR move to put that apology out there for the sponsors, for everything else. I mean, it, it, I mean, it really, I'm sure there were a lot of people who turned up. Like, that was a very much a, like, I don't want to call it a baby fit, but it was a very, it was an emotional outburst, which I fully understand. You know, it feels Patrick Mahomes, they've lost more games in the middle of the season than they have in quite some time. It does feel yeah. as if this team is really struggling. So he probably wears a lot of that weight on himself as well. Sure. Um, and so I, I, you can understand why he's emotional, but at the same time, and I, and I think too, seeing that play where you were like, oh my gosh, you go from the highest of highs, like that's going to be one of the greatest plays. They'll mm. play that forever. Who it doesn't count, and I don't understand why. Like, no, you know what I mean? Fact, it, it's almost fact. like grieving, where he was just like, he was going through the stages of grief, like, hey, um, you know what? Like, he was he was going through loss, he was going through bargaining, he was going through all these different things, and it ended up being, um, you know, he just didn't handle it well, which is fine. It makes, it's understandable. Like, that is understandable. We are all human. Um, just to me, the it was a little like weird when he went up to Josh and said that. That was that was the one thing I was like, all right, because here's the thing: we have the biggest crybaby in the history. We've had two of the big crybabies in sports: Dan Marino and Tom Brady. Tom Brady would constantly scream at officials. You know what he never did? He never brought it to the middle of the field to talk to the other quarterback. True. He, if he had gripes, he would talk about it with the officials, and then it was done. And he was he still mad? Sure. But he wouldn't, he would leave it there. You know what I mean? He would leave it on the sideline because he also respected the people he was going against and and would never have put them in that position. So I think this is also a little bit of growing pains for Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, never really has had, he just faced, not in adversity at NFL because everybody faced adversity, but never faced like, oh no, like the guys I'm playing with are not good. I'm going to have to drag us as far as we can. Well, ultimately, I you know, I, I go back to something I learned way, way back is that, you know, learning how to win is one thing, but you need to learn how to lose. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that Kansas City has been so accustomed to winning over the years, especially since Mahomes became a starter in this league in 2018. 
you know, they, like you just alluded to, Alex, they, they haven't lost, you know, a stretch of games in the middle like this uh, in quite some time that could it be possible they forgot how to lose? I mean, it was just a true lack of sportsmanship. Well, and I think it's one of those times it's um, the kids say, you know, it's a common like young person saying he got lost in the sauce, right? He got lost in that moment and he couldn't see the forest through the trees. Um, and, and it's unfortunate. Like, it is unfortunate. I, I actually, I like Patrick Mahomes. I think he's good for the game. He's yeah. a generational talent. Um, but that moment will be something that will probably be remembered about him and talked about about his legacy. Hopefully not. I mean, honestly one little mistake like that which didn't even affect anything um you know hopefully that doesn't go on to define a person because you know i think we'd all be want want to be judged not by our worst moments but by our best um but yeah it's just it is one of those things it is what it is so Josh Allen finishes with 233 yards to the air a touchdown and a pick Mahomes 271 a touchdown and a pick for him um, I think it's good to see Dalton Kincaid um, show his impact more and more than I think that was evident in this game. Um, well, throughout the season. I, I don't think, you know, obviously on the stat line, not a huge account from him. Um, but, I mean, all in all, I, I, I think that uh, having him on this roster is really starting to pay off uh, for the Bills. Yeah, and uh, you know it's a little worrisome as a guy he that did show up on the injury report uh, this week. You hate to see a guy who, I mean, he had a very like almost like Cole Beasley like game, mm-hmm. um, where you're like, how many yards did he have? Oh, he must have had like a hundred. You're like, oh, he only had like forty, but every single one of them was like at a big moment. It was like a big catch at a big moment. So I, I kind of you know. As much as he didn't put up huge numbers, they were incredibly important numbers. And he continues to be Josh's uh, like new safety blanket where it's like, I need six yards. I'm getting the ball to Dalton. Yes. And you know what? That's exactly what you draft a guy like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, James Cook and Dalton Kincaid, both not receivers, had five receptions in that game. They tied for the lead on their team. Of course, Cook, 83 yards. Uh, out, you know, shadows 21 here by Dalton Kincaid. But the stat that concerns me with that is I just, you know, started a running back and a tight end. Uh, Stefan Diggs, we were beyond livid in this house, my wife and I, uh, with all the screens they tried running with Diggs, we're like, please, stop doing that. It doesn't work. And I don't know if it was a matter of just going to the wall that one of these times I thought it was going to crack, but <laughs> they kept going to it. And it just did not pay out in this game. That's my only concern offensively. Well, there's plenty to be concerned with. But the fact that there was not a lot of showing from the other receivers on this team. Deontay Hardy with a great catch on third down. Um, But, I mean, look at the stat line here. Khalil Shakir, one catch. Trent Shurfield, one catch. Deontay Hardy, one catch. I mean... Gabe Davis, zero. He was targeted, but uh, could not haul yeah, the ball. Yeah, but Brad, like, I, I think, honestly, Brad, one of the things is there There have been some drops with the receivers this year. I just think it's a natural statistical thing where, yes, it seems like a higher number, probably because it is a higher number, 
Um, but it's also sort of like we've had so few drops in the past, it's kind of returned to the mean. Um, but on top of that, you have to look at who, like, who whose coaching tree is Joe Brady under, right? Like, who's the guy Joe Brady studied and modeled himself after? And that was Sean Payton. What are Sean Payton, as a person who plays fantasy football, what do you know Sean Payton's offenses as? It was biggest boomer bust team. Like, you'd go one week and a guy would have 15 catches, 225 yards, three TDs, and you'd be like, I got 40 points that and then the next week, you'd be like, he didn't get the ball thrown to him one time. And that's, I, I think Joe Brady's offense is kind of like that, where it's like, hey, um, you know what? Like, we're going to get the ball all over. We're going to get it distributed out to where it needs to be rather than forcing it to some guys. And I think what they saw with Kansas City, they like to bring pressure. So those screens are a way to alleviate that pressure. A couple of them probably should have been open. It was just a dig straight up drop it. Yeah, yep, straight up. But all in all, I I was sick of the screen game. That's just a personal peeve down the stretch. But yeah, but when you have somebody like Sarkeesian or not Sarkeesian, um, the the defensive coordinator was just bringing so much pressure. You have to do something to counteract it because you basically have to say, okay, if you're gonna do that, we're gonna do this, and that's just the natural answer to. Blitzing is, well, if you're going to blitz a lot, we'll run screens because screens are the thing that counter blitzes. Um, and so if, if that they saw a lot of heavy pressure, they also they also were, kind of, I'm guessing, they were expecting a couple of those to hit where, okay, now it's Stefan Diggs at a full sprint versus a safety who's been caught flat-footed. I'll take that one 10 times out of 10. Well, the Bills will return home this week. They host Dallas a late afternoon kickoff in this one 425 at Highmark Stadium. This time, instead of CBS, it'll be on Fox. And we get the Fox A team announcing uh, this game here in Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, and Aaron Andrews. So, top shelf Fox hey, coverage. Fun. Let me let me ask you something real quick, Brad. Please. Um, What? How far into the game did your broadcast pick up the Bills game? Because I had to watch that godforsaken Browns-Jaguars game for up almost halfway through the first quarter. That's funny, because here in Buffalo, I, we were, I flipped over, because we had red zone on. I flipped over to that game because I knew the Bills game was coming up. And it flashed on the TV right before, due to your market, this game will be switching over to Kansas City, uh, Buffalo. We apologize for the inconvenience. So I had no lag. Which is frustrating because I now live in the Buffalo Bills market of central New York and uh, is considered part of in-market for Buffalo. Hmm. And I had to watch all of that Jaguars game, which is which was very frustrating. Wow. I'm guessing maybe it was just a limited, very local market. Because, uh, yeah, we had to finish all of it. So I was just watching. I turned to Red Zone because I was like, well, I'll get some more updates, at least from Red Zone. You know what I mean? Like, I'll get, I'll be able to receive some sort of update from Red Zone. And and then I was just watching the game cast on my phone as well. Um, and that ended up being up until, I think, after the James Cook touchdown. 
Yeah, full uh, full disclosure for anyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, on this side here, we've lived all over the country. We now actually live here in Buffalo, in Erie County. So, yeah, we're we're a little bit closer. So after my whole life being uh, a remote Bills fan, um, I'm okay <laughs> living right here in Greater Buffalo and uh, being able to enjoy the pluses of being, you know, miles away from the stadium. Well, yeah, that is the that is the huge plus of it, Brad. One hundred percent. All right, Cowboys this weekend. How do you feel about this game? Dallas came off an impressive win over the Eagles, but a team who has, you know, done very well at home. But I believe all three of their losses all came on the road here. How do you feel about this game? I think it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a tight contest. Um, these are two of the premier teams in the NFL. Just even records aside, just you're looking at talent versus talent. These are two of the best teams in the NFL. Um, and it's going to be a competitive contest no matter when they step on the field. I like Buffalo's chances. Um, in all honesty, I think that they have a real shot um, against Dallas. I, I think they match up very well. Um, they're gonna, The defense is going to really need to step up and play well against the run. Um, but I, I could see this one being like a four, like a, a really high-scoring slugfest. Yeah, I, I could see it playing out that way as well. Um, I'm curious. Uh, conditions are supposed to be nice. Uh, highs right now, upper 40s on Sunday. Um, it's going to be late afternoon, so it's going to be probably a little bit cooler by then. It'll start cooling down as the sun sets. But, I mean, all in all, I think conditions are favorable. The only concern I have, especially if they try to air it downfield and how much the wind swirls in Highmark Stadium and how windy it can be, that's my concern is the wind factor outside of that. I think weather is going to be outstanding for this one. Yeah, I I agree, Brad. I I mean, it's always a little disconcerting when you're playing in Buffalo. You know, the, the wind really does affect that field of play a lot. Um, but I, I think, you know, you draft a guy like Josh Allen for specifically that kind of game, right? They talk about it constantly. That's why they drafted him. That's why they drafted him. That's why they drafted him. Um, and I think that's the case is that, you know, even though it's going to be swirling wins, I think the Bills' short passing game um, really sets them up to be successful, even if the weather is a bit of a, you know, a bit bad. Let's uh, run through the injury report real quickly here for the Bills. Um, right now for the Bills today, a lot of full participants. Uh, the, the concerns I'll highlight right now. A.J. Epinesa, rib injury. We saw him leave that game early. He has he did not practice today. Um, He's week to week, Sean McDermott said. Yes. Uh, Micah Hyde, same thing. He's week to week, I believe, as well. Out of a neck stinger, concerning, considering the neck injury he had last year. He didn't practice today. Um, and then Von Miller, veteran rest day. Uh, every, for the most part, everyone else was a full participant today. Two limited participants, Teron Johnson, who had an ankle injury in that game, and then uh, Dalton Kincaid with a thumb and shoulder. He did have x-rays after the game. They said it was more precautionary. They did come back negative on that shoulder. But um, we'll see how he battles going through the week because, like you know, we said he, he's going to be an important part of this game here for the Bills. Yeah, he he is he is really taking on a role as the Bills' go-to guy when you need 
those intermediate third and intermediate is seems to be Dalton Kincaid's um, time to eat. Uh, and I think, you know, as he grows into this role a little bit more and as he, you know, plays out his, his means a little bit, um, it's going to set him up in a good position to make much more hay in those situations. Um, but the interesting one for me, Brad, is Justin Shorter coming off the IR. Yes. Um, they opened his 21-day window. Um, Was a full participant and, and today. Full participant, meaning they can take him off the IR before the game this weekend, or they can leave him on and get another game. He's a guy who's a, still a rookie, um, a really interesting special teams guy. I feel like he was the guy that they kind of brought, they drafted, to give them some downfield, he's he's a straight line speed guy. He's like six four, um, really can go up and get the ball. Former five star recruit out of high school, um, so he's he's a guy that you, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they slot him in and expect to use him. I think he's mainly going to be used in a special teams capacity, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up having like a Jake Kumro style game where you're like, who is this fifth round pick <laughs> out of Florida? that all of a sudden has like a hundred yards and a TD. Sure. Yeah. We'll but, see. But again, that's, that's, that's that Joe Brady school where he comes from that Sean Payton discipleship of Pat, you know, of offense where it's like, I'm never going to like, I'm never going to use the same guy twice in the same role, but I'm always, they're always going to be ever so slightly different where it's like, Oh, you know what? This guy did this, this guy, like, you're never going to be able to guess who I'm using next because I don't even know who I'm using next. Just a couple players of note on the injury report I want to highlight here for Dallas. Jonathan Hankins, he did not practice today uh, with a knee ankle injury. Same thing with uh, free safety Malik Hooker. He did not practice battling an ankle injury. Other than that, um, not a lot of real concerning things that I'm seeing on the injury report. For Dallas here, uh, running back Rico Dowdle was uh, limited with an ankle injury. And then same thing for wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Actually, no, excuse me. He had a rest day today. He was still limited. But um, injuries are a little bit more biting, I think, this week for the Bills. So they will have to battle through it. They host Dallas coming up 425. All right. So for at least... When Alex, when you and I started doing this podcast, we were uh, starting our second year in Dallas. So we lived five years down there, and I've hated Dallas since that last Super Bowl that the Bills lost to them. And uh, it was only like fueled, like the flame was like just continually growing when I lived down there. So I would love to see Buffalo come in and get a nice win over uh a Dallas team who's been red hot as of lately. They've been lost and losing to the Eagles way back when here. One, two, three, four, five wins in a row here for the Cowboys. They're getting hot at the right time. I'd like for Buffalo to come in and extinguish the flame this weekend. Well, and that's, you know, it feels like one of those games. Dallas is coming off a huge divisional opponent win where they blew them out. Um, They're riding high. And the Bills are coming off a tough, tough game where they fought to the end. Um, if and with the Dolphins losing to the Titans, there is a non, like a non-outside chance. You know, before to win the AFC East was going to be near impossible. With that Dolphins loss, there is a strong possibility the Bills could pull off the run 
to the AFC East title if they win out. Um, I think it's something like if they win out, their chance to make the playoffs is 99%, and then um, the chance to win the AFC East is like 70%. And if they lose this game but win out, I think their chance to make the playoffs is still like 85%. Yeah. So it, this isn't a make-or-break game. It is a game that's highly important because if you can pull off this win, it helps with tiebreakers of um, games with similar opponents. But it's 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 one of those games that while while you you want to get hot, it feels like the team are revving up for something. You know, like a big playoff push. Um, and these are the teams that you tend to worry about when you get into the playoffs. Those teams that all of a sudden kind of find the spark and really get hot and are just able to put it all together to end the season. You know what? I want to go back to 2017. I feel like that was the last real time that Buffalo had to fight and claw and tooth and nail to get in, and that was the end of the drought back in 2017. And they were able to get in with a bunch of help. All know, you know what Andy Dalton in Cincinnati and Tyler Boyd did for them with a win over Baltimore down the stretch, but it doesn't feel anything like that at this point. Obviously, there's no monkey on their back with a 17-year drought. This team has won three divisional championships in a row, but like we said, uh, you know, they have a chance of winning the division, but they're still not in it yet, but it doesn't feel sweaty or nervous or that we need a lot of help like it did in 2017, and I think that's something you got to appreciate here, you know, since Sean McDermott has come in. Yeah, it's it's a very much you you win you're in scenario. You win you're in. That's and Josh Allen and you hear all the Bills talk about it. How every week is is a new playoff game. How every week is going to be something is the is the first week of the playoffs because that is the truth. Every week from this point out, I know it's a very cliche and antic, you know, very like tired thing, but it is the truth is that for the Bills right now every game is a playoff game. Every single game from this point forward is a playoff game because if they don't start stringing them together, their season's over before it begins. They say the term schadenfreude is German for uh, taking pleasure in the misfortune of others. And, you know, I feel like that's the case here in Western New York and across Bills Mafia every time the New England Patriots lose. Granted, they did help them last week with a win over the Steelers, but reports were out today that Tom Curran is reporting that at the end of the season, the New England Patriots will make a change and move on from head coach Bill Belichick. If this is the case here, Alex, I want to put it out before we went. Uh, do you see him landing with another spot? And how does it make you feel that, you know, there's been this Patriot dynasty for years and now they're at the point that they're going to make a break with their head coach who's won them six Super Bowls? Honestly, it, it is a sad day. Like, as as much as we as Bills fans hate the Patriots because they just destroyed us for a century, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach in NFL history, bar none. He just is the greatest. And for the Patriots to do him like this is a bit of a travesty. Um, he has willed some of these teams into positions they should not be in. Like, genuinely, they shouldn't have been as successful as they are. And I wouldn't be shocked if I, I think John genuinely the, the, the team that's going to go after him is Washington. I wouldn't be shocked if Washington holds on to Eric the enemy to run the offense and then Belichick runs the defense hmm. because 
it you know those those the new ownership there wants to make a splash and that's the way to do it is to bring in a legendary head coach and say hey bring this franchise back to a successful era against a tough division you know the cowboys are in division eagles are in division the giants are in division um i'd be less concerned about the giants but tommy devito is playing like sylvester stallone if you were in a movie about an italian american quarterback so um you know, it, it just is one of those things where uh, I think it, it, it's a sad day because genuinely Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach ever. And what he's been able to do with some really bad teams has been successful. And it, 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 it's a end of a true era in the NFL. It's the end of the dynasty era. You know, it's like the fall of the Roman Empire almost. All right, so final thoughts for the Buffalo Bills headed into uh, this week's matchup against Dallas. The Bills just got to go out there and do their job. Um, I'm interested to see how the offense looks like parity-wise to see what we get from the offense. Uh, the game plan going in is going to be one. You know, they, They're going to have to really execute. This is an incredibly good defense. Um, run by Dan Quinn, I believe. Um, yep, former uh, head coach the Seahawks Falcons and former Seahawks DC during their Legion of Boom. This era, is true, yes, which very was, much. Um, which is one of the, the greatest eras of you know one of the greatest defensive back cores we've ever seen. Um, so I, I think they need to go in there, and Josh just needs to play safe, play smart, and play within himself. If he he the the quintessential thing was that picky through in, in the second quarter. Um, that kind of switched the momentum. He could have just thrown that ball away. There's no reason, no reason on earth he needed to throw that football. Um, he was trying to fit in a tight window and really couldn't, you know, there, it was going to be a tough catch anyways, and then the guy underneath it didn't help. Josh could have scrambled, got three yards slid, and said, you know what, we'll take in a third and seven, but tried to force it, and he just can't do that this week. You've seen him rein in those little more of those mistake-prone <coughs> plays mm-hmm. going you know going forward in the season um but if if the bills are to beat the cowboys you need him to be almost mistake free all right so uh this week um you know like we said a very tall task here for the buffalo bills in this one but i don't know i i'm holding out hope here that the bills can go ahead trust the process and get a big win over the cowboys well, we want to thank you for tuning in for another podcast. Remind us, follow us across our social media. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House and at drafthousesports.com. Follow us across Twitter or X, as the kids call it now. Uh, thanks, Elon. Uh, at Bills Bruiser, at TW Callahan, DHS, at DHS Buffalo. For Alex Jones, I am Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Available on Spotify, Odyssey, Prime Music, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. In our street media production.